Right. Hello and welcome to Global Data Pod Research Wrap. I'm Nora Santivani and joining me today is Dan Silver from the US economics team. Hey Dan, thanks for joining. How are you? Hi Nora, good. How are you? Great, great. So this is our regular monthly episode where we discuss the main takeaways from last month's CPI reports uh, from the Global Inflation Monitor. And we'll also uh, discuss a bit on inflation dynamics and how we see things evolving over the next couple of months. So maybe first at the very high level, I'll just highlight two takeaways uh, before bringing Dan into the conversation. Uh, the first one I'd want to highlight is um, after steady declines you know, through the year and into the summer, uh, it looks like core inflation uh, is stabilizing here uh, towards the end of last quarter. As of September, it looks like the three-month uh, annualized run rate uh, was quite steady at 3.2% for core, so it kind of stopped falling. Uh, we had pretty big declines from the start of the year, and now it's sort of stabilizing around that level. Uh, in year-on-year -year rates, both core and headline are still coming down. They were down 0.3 uh, in September, but as I mentioned, in terms of the run rates, uh, we look to be stabilizing here and not really coming down further. Um, so in terms of the monthly gain on core, again, things are broadly stable around 0 to 4. This is global uh, X, uh, China and, and Turkey. The second point is um, we are seeing significant sectoral and regional divergence in recent core inflation dynamics and co core goods inflation in particular has come off very strongly. So globally, we're down to 0 0.4 annualized in the three months to September. Um, at the same time, core services inflation has rebounded a little bit and we're running about four and a half percent. So quite a big gap there between goods and, and services. And then the second one is regionally, we're seeing some divergence. In particular, we've been highlighting uh, a, a sort of divergence between the US and the euro area uh, that we see widening in the next couple of months. So um, in the US, uh, you know, we have core inflation momentum uh, picking up, whereas in the euro area, it's coming off. So this is probably a good point to bring Dan into the conversation. Um, Dan, as you kind of listened to me describing these very high-level takeaways from the September data, is that resonating with what you saw in the U.S. for September? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of moving parts here and a lot of noise across the monthly read. So, you know, we can look at quarterly changes, three-month changes, OIA changes, all these different things. And I think when we, when we look at the U.S. data, uh, we had two pretty weak months on the core uh, in June and July, where we had 0.16 increases on core CPI, and then we had two you know, not boomy readings, but a pretty solid readings, averaging about three tenths uh, per month across August and September. So that's kind of how I would view the the recent data. And you know, like I said, I think there's a lot of moving parts here. Some of the categories that had been pretty big drags across June and July, uh, in particular, airfares fell pretty significantly. Lodging prices declined. Uh, those declines either didn't continue or reversed to some degree in the more recent reports when we got that firmness. So uh, the September report. Overall, I think in terms of the headline readings or the main aggregates was pretty close to expectations. Uh, we got 0.32 on the core uh, CPI to two decimals, which was basically spot on to what we were looking for. Um, but I think that the kind of core details or maybe some of the, the composition underlying that figure was firmer than we expected, which I think you know, speaks to your point of things maybe picking up or, or you know, not declining here. 
Uh, we did get solid readings on the rent numbers in the September report. We also got uh, a pretty firm reading for services X rent, which was up mm -hmm. about six tenths um, in the month of September alone. You know, I think that we we never want to believe one month is being the new trend. So I wouldn't want to say that you know all of a sudden things are really uh, very strong there. But I think you know relative to expectations, they, they were above expectations, and, and certainly relative to where they've been over the past few months, it was a stronger report here which I think does go to the story that, you know, we are seeing some some relative firmness here on the core, core numbers. Yeah, I mean, what, what strikes me as I look across just staying with the developed market um, CPI releases is the U.S. seems to have one of the biggest um, sort of gaps between core goods and core services and that core services is growing at a quite firm pace and core goods is, well, it's negative, right? It's, it's in deflation in terms of the three-month uh, run rate. We don't quite have this sort of big gap in some of in most of the other countries. Um, so is that something that you think will change going forward? And then more broadly, if you could just talk us through uh, the outlook for the next couple of months. I know, we, you know we've had this forecast for a while in place that, you know, U.S., core CPI inflation would uh, accelerate to somewhere around 3.6, I think, for the fourth quarter in terms of quarter on quarter annualized. So if you could talk us through what's driving that and how you see this sort of good services gap as well evolving. Yeah. So, you know, goods and services are probably the, the biggest way or the simplest way you can break it down. And, you know, you mentioned weakness on the core goods front in, in recent months. That, that definitely has been the case. And we do expect some firmness uh, if you think about the next you know, a few months going forward. So autos are a big part of that story. Um, autos have been a, a big driver of inflation over the, the past few years as we had you know, significant supply chain issues, significant inventory shortages. And then that has to some extent unwound over the past you know, six months or year or so. So vehicle prices have, have fallen pretty sharply over the past few months into September. Um, but we do have strikes weighing on production to at least some degree in the U.S., and we have some industry figures, uh, particularly on the used vehicle front, which is plenty to furnace ahead. So uh, we do think that um, you know, vehicle prices are going to push higher in the next few months, which is going to be a big change relative to the declines we've seen uh, over the prior few months. And then you know, there's a lot of other moving parts here, which is hard to get clear stories, but we did have, I think, you know, general weakness in core goods prices over the past few months as... Yep. Supply chains normalize, uh, yeah, things kind of get, get back to normal following what had been a very strong run. And we don't expect that weakness to continue going forward. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, I mean, let me just jump very quickly on on, on the global side as well. Um, certainly on core goods, we are seeing continued declines at the global level as well. Uh, we had a 0.1% month-on-month fall in core goods uh, CPI in, in September. And that's actually the first negative monthly reading we've had at the global level um, since early 2021, I think. So for me, it doesn't feel like the kind of intensity of this disinflationary impulse at the global level is fading just yet. Um, but I kind of take your point that there are some sort of, you know, uh, volatile items, used car prices, these things, perhaps pushing higher. Um, but certainly it, it does feel like core goods inflation has had a good slide, right? Like we are back um, below the kind of pre-pandemic norms, right? And for the US as well, that's the case, right? That we are kind of undershooting at this point. Yeah, certainly in terms of the runners, I mean, the, the yeah. level is still up significantly because yeah. you had that big boom that didn't fully reverse. But yeah, the, the you know, monthly changes we've seen over the past few months have been you know, much weaker than the norm. So before the pandemic, you know, core goods prices were 
pretty much flat in the U.S. and they've been you know, clearly moving down in, in the U.S. more recently. Yeah, perfect. Okay. And then um, maybe we should talk on services as well. Um, and there, as I mentioned, at, at the global level, things are looking uh, quite firm. We've picked up a little bit. I suppose some of that is led by the US, uh, but we've, we've picked up to 0.43% month-on-month pace. That's the strongest I think we've had since March. This is, again, the global GDP-weighted average. Uh, and the annualized run rate is climbing back to 4.5%, which is... Um, probably the highest we've seen since June. Uh, so certainly this is well above kind of tolerance ranges for most uh, central banks. For the US, how do you see that part of the core basket evolving? Yeah, so I think there, there's a lot of noise again in the monthly reports. If we look at the over a year ago readings, which is you know a pretty good way to smooth through the trend, but maybe misses some of the the near-term swings is we continue to see moderation on core services into September. And I think we're likely going to see continued moderation over time, um, particularly if we're right that we start to see softening in job growth, softening in wage growth, kind of softening on the labor market side, which passes through into core services. Uh, that hasn't fully happened yet. So that's you know a bit of a forecast at this point rather than something we're seeing yeah. in the data. Um, but what we can see in the, the figures that have been reported so far is, uh, I mentioned before, we did get a firm reading on rent in September, but we do have uh, industry figures which point to continued moderation over time. Um, so I think that that September reading is probably going to be an anomaly um, around the trend, and we're going to see continued moderation um, in, uh, in rent prices uh, moving forward uh, with some monthly noise along the way. Um, so certainly it's not going to be you know, each month consecutively drifting lower over time, but I think the trend is going to keep cooling. Um, and then more generally, as I mentioned, you know, I think if we're right that the labor market softens, we're going to see a lot of categories of core services um, move down over time or, or moderate in terms of their inflation rate. Um, one kind of quirk or you know, particular particularity here um, is health insurance prices, at least in the CPI, how they're measured. So health insurance prices have dropped uh, pretty sharply over the past year. Um, and what the BLS does when they when they estimate these is they, they look at industry source data, which update. Um, in the past, they updated every year. Now they're going to shift updating it every, every six months or so. So um, the numbers look very weak into September. We do think we're going to see a pretty meaningful pickup there. Um, as we move forward, beginning with the October report. So, you know, that's one category where we do expect some firmness, but overall, I think we're, we're expecting to see moderation in core services prices going forward. All right. So, mm, uh, so overall core inflation picking up a bit of momentum. That's largely, it sounds like, led by core goods in, in your forecast. What happens to super core uh, in this forecast? And also, if you could describe a little bit, how are things different for the core PCE? vis-a-vis the CPI, because I know CPI had been kind of undershooting recently. Yeah, so the super core, which we think about, or we, people talk about as core services X rent, you know, I think that's really where the labor market conditions matter the most. And well, I think we and the Fed feel, feel pretty confident that labor market matters. It's not like there's a one-to-one relationship where we can you know, nail the forecast every month if we know what the unemployment rate is. So you know, this is uh, you know, what we've seen through September is we've seen moderation on Supercore, even though we did get a firm um, firm reading in September. So those OIA rates continuing to move down over time through through some monthly ups and downs in the data. And again, if we're right that wage inflation keeps cooling, the unemployment rate drifts up, job growth slows, we think that's going to continue to moderate over time. So health insurance, you know, is pushing back in, in, in 
to some degree here and that health insurance prices are moving up, but kind of most other super core categories should be moderating uh, if the labor market weakens there. Um, and I would expect that to show up both in in for CPI or, or CPI numbers and PC numbers. Um, the health insurance numbers are different. So health insurance, uh, that annual update is showing up in the CPI data, but not the PCE data. So that's one area um, where you know we're going to get firmer readings on CPI relative to PCE because of that that divergence or that um, that deviation in how those things are measured. But I think generally speaking, the trends are going to be the same where we're seeing you know, broad core prices move down as well as super core prices move down um, when we zoom out and you know, kind of look past some of the monthly wiggles in the data. All right. I mean, one question I'll just ask you because clients ask it a lot. Is there any one particular item that has a high signal to noise ratio or content? If, if you kind of had to pick one, what's the kind of best item to look at in terms of giving us a forward signal on where inflation is headed? Is that something you guys have looked at? Um, yeah, I mean, I think in general, we would say past inflation, we kind of look at the core as a good guide to future inflation. And that's sort of a general rule that was reasonably good in the pre-pandemic times. Um, in the pre or in the post-COVID times or the current times, uh, I think the bottoms up numbers are, are really important here. And there, there's all these big stories playing out for different components. Um, and it's, it's really hard to kind of get these summary measures or kind of broad signal measures. So, you know, like we said, auto numbers have been, the vehicle numbers have been really, really important factors for inflation over the past two to three years. Um, and I would say that's pretty abnormal <laughs> in terms of that, yeah. uh, that regard. I mean, the rent numbers are, are pretty important because they have a high weight. Um, so I think that's going to matter. And we have these industry figures. We look at Zillow data, um, which gives us a good signal about where those are going, going forward. So, um, All right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, before I take us off on too much of a tangent, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, let's try and get back into the the sort of more global discussion as well. Um, I'm sure we'll do a whole separate podcast on that question. Um, so maybe we can touch briefly on food and energy prices. I know they're kind of secondary importance. Um, and then I'm going to ask you also about how you think the Fed is viewing the inflation data. Um, in terms of energy, uh, what we see at the global level is this 22% uh, jump in crude oil prices we've had over the third quarter. It did produce a fairly big jump in the August CPI, 3.3%, um, but there was quite limited further gains in September. And overall, you know, it feels like uh, we've seen the bulk of the, the pass-through from the oil price rise into, um, into retail fuel prices. And the impact perhaps has been a little bit less um, significant than, than anticipated. There's a bunch of things going on here uh, for emerging market economies. You know, we see governments often intervening with, um, you know, tax changes and subsidies and trying to somehow mitigate the impact of higher uh, crude oil prices onto consumers. So certainly we are seeing a number of countries where actually energy CPI is falling and <laughs> has been falling over the last three months at a double digit pace. Parts of Europe, we still see the earlier uh, decline in natural gas prices um, continuing to push energy CPIs down with a lag uh, due to those prices being regulated. How about for the U.S.? How are you feeling in terms of the impact from the rise in oil? Has it been a bit more muted than than perhaps anticipated? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's largely in the past, as you mentioned. So August was the big jump in both the energy CPI uh, as well as the headline, which you know, took the the effects of the energy increase there. 
Um, and when we compare oil prices to retail gas prices in the U.S., um, the the big move up in oil that we've seen over the past few months hasn't really been realized in the same way on the on the consumer side in terms of what people are actually buying. Because consumers aren't buying barrels of oil; they're buying you know gas at the pump. So, um, you know, I think that that you know we did get a pretty big lift, um, particularly in August, but I think that's you know largely in the past now. And you know, generally speaking, oil and gasoline prices track pretty closely gasoline kind of that uh, the retail gasoline numbers don't move as much as oil um, but we have seen a pretty big divergence um, over the past you know several months which I think is I don't want to kind of get into the industry stories here but you know there are some peculiarities or technicalities of you know why oil prices may or may not pass through into retail gasoline prices and you know this has been a period where they haven't uh, passed through mm -hmm. to a big degree. Yeah, I mean, and if that continues, this limited pass-through, then it does look like on a three-month run rate, energy CPI likely peaked last month, and it should ease into the fourth quarter if our commodity research team's uh, forecast is correct, that crude oil will moderate um, to around $86 per barrel. Right, so just quickly on food prices before go to the central banks, um, uh, we had this significant upward pressure on food prices um, over the summer, and that was con concentrated in EM Asia. And at that point, we were wondering whether that was going to broaden uh, to other regions or whether it would intensify. And, you know, we made the call at the time that we weren't too concerned about that rise. It was quite localized um, weather shocks having an impact on a handful of countries. And the latest data, CPI data, bear out that, that view. We have seen food inflation starting to tick lower, and even in EM Asia, some of that earlier shock is dissipating. So food inflation at this point in time, we don't see significant near-term upward pressure uh, taking hold. We are, of course, watching El Nino, but so far there's little evidence of a disruptive impact on food prices. Uh, we look at the FAO food price index, which is a broad measure of global food prices. Those are down 6% over the past six months. And a number of EM countries are seeing outright declines in food prices, and that's also helped by record high harvests. Uh, not sure if there's anything to say on US food prices. Um, if not, um, we can pass on that and, and turn to uh, the Fed. Yeah, I mean, I just yeah. real quickly, I would say that, you know, food prices were booming when, you know, prices more generally were booming. And what we've seen in more, more recent times is just a kind of more normal environment, food prices ticking up about two times per month. So yeah, it's not really a big story for the US. Uh, you know, right now in terms of the data. Perfect. Okay, so oh, for the Fed, um, how 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 do you think they are viewing the incoming uh, inflation data and and well the totality of the data flow in in general? And you know, if if our view, if this view that we have for for core inflation, you know, that at least on the on the run rates, um, things pick up a little bit in the fourth quarter, and we have fairly firm monthly gains here of around zero three, what would then that imply for, for Fed policy uh, between now and year end? So I think the Fed is really trying to find a, a balance right now between you know, what they see in the data in hand and what they expect going forward. So you know, if we just froze time where we are right now and we had core CPI running 4% on a year ago basis, we had job growth very strong, low unemployment rate, uh, you know, other signs of labor market tightness, uh, wage inflation, I think we'd probably be in a situation where the Fed would think they need to do more, uh, particularly if we think going forward that you know the next few prints on, on core CPI may be firm or firmer than what we've been getting. But at the same time, we have this pretty significant tightening in financial conditions, which is a you know forward-looking signal here. Um, so I think the Fed is 
looking at that and saying, well, the numbers that we've seen in the past are, are too strong, you know, higher than we want them to be, both in terms of activity and inflation. Um, but there's still you know, expectations that things are going to weaken. And I don't think they want to get fooled by, you know, a few months of firm inflation if auto mm-hmm. prices increase or health insurance prices, you know, pick up. So I think, you know, they want to be forward looking just like we want to be forward looking. And I think they're trying to find that balance. And um, it's, it's a hard job. And, you know, I think they're saying that they want to be careful. They want to you know, make these decisions and be, you know, go meeting by meeting. So um, they're trying to find that balance. You know, right now we think they're going to stay on hold for the next few quarters. I think there is a risk they decide to hike, but um, yeah, they're, they're trying to, I guess, tread carefully here and, and, you know, balance what looks like you know, strength in the past versus expectations for weakening going forward. All right, perfect. I mean, just to round that out, I mean, I, we won't have time to go through all the all the central banks, but for the euro area, we have seen core inflation uh, slowing to a 3% annualized pace over the past couple of months. We actually have that going down further to about 2% on the run rate uh, in the fourth quarter. But we are also highlighting that um, the final report for September did show a larger 04 uh, monthly gain once we correct for the weight distortion. So I think looking through the distortions, it's too early to judge really whether we're poised to move below 3%. Uh, broadly, though, with you know the weaker activity data, PMIs, and stalling growth, the ECB should be comfortably on hold here, uh, we think. I think Canada is another one where maybe worth highlighting after last week's um, softer CPI report, we removed our call for another hike. And so we now have them on hold at 5% until the middle of next year. Um, And then in EM, more broadly, you know, we have seen core inflation momentum slowing quite considerably, as I mentioned at the beginning of of the call. Um, A key concern we have there is that some of the impulses that have been pulling core goods lower will soon start to fade because that that disinflation has been very heavily reliant on, on core goods and quite a few of these EM currencies have weakened a fair bit over the past couple of months. Um, I think in some countries uh, where where that weakening has been material, what we would expect to see is central banks turning maybe a bit more cautious, slowing the pace of cuts. But generally, we haven't made any material changes uh, to our EM rate calls um, because we are you know continuing to see progress on disinflation at this point and growth is also soft in quite a few places so in latam ex mexico and c3 we think uh, sort of measured cautious rate cuts will uh, and can continue here all right that's probably a, a good point for us to wrap up here um so yeah in terms of the just to, to recap high level uh we have are seeing core inflation um stabilizing towards the end of the third quarter We are, though, seeing quite significant sectoral and regional divergences in recent core inflation dynamics. And then on the forecast, we've generally revised a little bit higher our fourth quarter uh, core inflation forecast, which at the global level uh, stands at 3.2%. Dan, thanks so much for joining me. And uh, thank you to our listeners for tuning in to the Global Datapod Research Wrap. We look forward to the next episode.